Prudence. Dear 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 Prudence. Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I am your host, Daniel Mallory Ortberg, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. This week, my guest is Peyton Thomas, a freelance journalist and video game writer based in Toronto. His writing has appeared in Vanity Fair, Billboard, and Pitchfork. And now, here's our first letter. Um, This next letter made me so mad at the letter writer. uh, (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Here we go. Okay. I, I'm just, just letting everyone know. My answer to this is no. What is the matter with you? Okay. But go ahead. Are we ready? Are we ready to be angry? Yes. Okay. Subject. I just discovered that my newly pro-life sister is an abortion hypocrite. I'm furious. Dear Prudence, I'm a 50-year-old man with a 47-year-old sister. Lately, we've grown apart. We recently had a political discussion where she came out that she is suddenly very conservative and adamantly pro-life. I was sharing this conversation we had with my wife. My wife looked very uncomfortable and blurted out, your sister got drunk 20 years ago and confided in me that she had two abortions and made me promise to never tell you. I have stopped following my sister on social media because her pro-life abortion should be illegal rants infuriate me. She messaged me for my birthday last week and wrote that she sensed we were drifting apart, but didn't know why. Do I address it? It's not her abortions or her pro-life stance that bother me. I'm pro-choice myself. It's the hypocrisy that's killing me. She has always been a handful, and I'm pretty easygoing. And part of me thinks I should just play dumb and move on. But when I see her comments, they pop up on other people's pages, criticizing women who are pro-choice. I just want to type in all caps, you had two abortions. Help. So don't do that. Don't do that. Ever. (laughs) Nope. Not one time in your whole life should you do that. No. No. Mm-mm. I'll start with, since since I, I know I've come out strong, I will start okay. by saying totally understandable that you have unfriended your sister on social media. I would do the same thing. She sounds like a, a damn nuisance on social media. Um, frankly, if you need to block her on social media so that you don't see uh, her like anti-abortion rants on other people's pages, go ahead and do that and and tell her why, you know, absolutely have a conversation with your sister about how her obsession with anti-abortion rhetoric is putting a wedge between the two of you. Um, that's fine. Like you have every grounds uh, like to, to speak to her about that issue, but don't ever bring up the fact that your wife told you something she should not have told you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she, your, your sister did not share that with you. She shared that with your wife a long time ago and your wife shouldn't have told you that either under any circumstances. I mean, like the, the issue here is it's not like we, we could sit here and talk all day about the ethics of your sister's stance on abortion. But at the end of the day, this is about you and your relationship with your sister. And it's not up to you to solve this for her. It's not up to you to share her experiences with other people. It's not even up to you to confront her about something she hasn't confided in you about. Like you can, and I would encourage you to have a discussion with her about anti-abortion rhetoric. Yeah. I mean, Um, you have a total opening. Like mm -hmm. she has messaged you and says, I sense we're drifting apart. I don't know why you can tell her why, but the idea that there's something inherently hypocritical about, okay, 20 years ago, she had 
already had two abortions and now she's strongly anti-abortion like I, 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 I'm I'm pro-choice. I'm very pro-choice. I also think that it's like just I don't know why you would assume it was hypocrisy and not that she's had like an actual change of heart. Like she people are allowed to change their minds about something that they did 20 years ago. Um, you are certainly like again, you just you have so much freedom here to say, like, I'm pro-choice for the following reasons. Here's why this is really important to me. You know, your relentless public pursuit of talking about this at the expense of any other conversation makes me feel like there's nothing I can talk to you about. It makes me really sad. I feel very like principled about the freedom of choice for everyone. And I just need you to know that about me that is a conversation you can go have with her right now. Um, but saying, you know, my wife betrayed your trust and I'm going to throw your past in your face um, would be an act of essentially like you might as well just tell your sister, never talk to me again. Like you, that would effectively end your relationship. It is not inherently hypocritical to have gotten an abortion and then later mm-hmm. become anti-abortion. Um mm-hmm. No, I mean, and and if you are pro-choice and you know that we live in a culture of shame around abortions where mm-hmm. women who were people who do have abortions, sorry, are shamed and especially shunned from their faith communities for doing so. And, you know, I'd, I'd wager that many uh, an anti-abortion person does have an abortion somewhere in their past and, you know, being excessively performatively anti-abortion on social media may be a way of processing that guilt and you have an opening to talk to her about all of that right so use it yeah and i you know again i don't want to like i want to both be able to contextualize what she's doing and also i think that what she's doing is wrong and harmful and i don't want to try to um like uh empathize with it until it's not a problem but yeah i just uh, you know I don't think anybody's private decisions about abortion should ever be used against them in public. Um, and I just I hold that really strongly. And and I just think that that part of you that wants to, like, discipline and punish your sister for her abortions because of her opinions now, rather than just engage with her opinions, that's a part of you that I think is cruel and that you should challenge that part of yourself. You should fight and withstand that part of yourself and say, I don't know what the circumstances under which she got her abortions. I don't know how she feels about them now. She hasn't shared that information with me. Um, As a person who is pro-choice, I want everyone to have access to abortion, even someone whose opinions on abortion I hate. So nothing bad happened here. As far as I'm concerned, like somebody apparently got to access the abortion that I believe they have every right to. Now, separately, decades later, I get to argue with a family member about something that I believe every person ought to have the right to be able to access, um, who needs it, obviously. Um, that's it. That's all you got to do. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else we need to cover on that one? No, I just, sorry. I all just right. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we, it's time to move on to a different kind it of uh, family related <laughs> question. Yeah. From, all right. Subject. I already have a son, but I've got baby fever. Dear Prudence, I'm 36 years old with a 19-year-old son from a former relationship. My spouse has raised my son since he was four. When we got together, we both agreed we wanted more kids. But after 10 years of trying, we found out my spouse is sterile. 
I've tried to talk to him about other options, but he isn't interested. I feel my fertility slipping further away. And maybe it wouldn't be soul, so soul-crushing if I didn't feel so lonely. But my husband partakes in his hobby every waking hour, and my son is busy with his own life. I have nothing to keep me busy but work. After everything, my husband stepping up to take care of our son, and this many years of marriage, is it awful that I'm truly considering a divorce before my biological clock runs out? Now, I'll admit that this is a difficult one for me to answer because I am 26, and this is so far from my personal life experience. Uh, but I think there's some probably some general things we can touch on, right? Congratulations on being 26. Thank you. <laughs> um, it's yes. fun. I'm having fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so, I mean, certainly I think the thing that, that leapt out to me the most is my husband partakes in his hobby every waking hour. So, like, I, I think the kind of the actual lead item here slightly above the I really want a kid is like, apparently my husband ignores me. So like you, you refer you refer to your husband as stepping up to take care of your son, which is great, but like kind of makes it sound like he like did you a solid or like really went above and beyond. And it's kind of like, you know, if if you and your husband have been married and you had a child, like, yeah, that that's not like a I don't know that you owe him for that or like you owe him um, not talking about your desires and needs now because he like did something unprecedented. Like, yeah, usually when you marry someone with young children, you commit to helping to raise those children as your own. Uh, again, that's a, g- a good thing, but it's not like some amazing good deed like um, that he he should be like praised to the skies for. It's just like, yeah, that's what you yeah. do. Yeah, and it certainly doesn't mean that you know, you're no longer entitled to talk to him about wanting more kids. Yeah, or even <laughs> saying, like, having conversations up to the point of, I never see you. You spend every waking hour on your hobby. I feel isolated in this marriage. And I've been thinking about having another child, and I'm not sure that this is the the relationship to do it in. Uh, that's, like, a painful but real conversation that I would encourage you to have with your partner because either, you know, it's possible for the two of you to kind of reconnect, for you to say this has been hurting me, and for your husband to say, I, I see that, I've been pulling away, I know that, there have been some underlying causes, maybe you can talk about that and figure out what, if anything, you two are prepared to change, but you have to have that conversation, I think. And if his response is just like, I'm done having kids we tried, it didn't work, I'm over it, I love my hobby, I don't want to do it any less, then at least you know, like, okay, do I want to stay married to this man knowing that we're mostly just going to, like, wave high across the dinner table for the next 20, 30, 40 years? Um, not to, sorry, not to imply, <laughs> like, you'll both die in your 50s, I just mean, no, no. you know, um, then, yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's, I don't think it's awful that you're considering a divorce if if that's the outcome of that conversation. <sighs> Yeah, that's that's heavy stuff. And that was a very uh, no children, the mountain goats dot MP3 summary of that, Danny. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I just think mm-hmm. like, you know, of course, it's OK to revisit this conversation. You've tried to talk about other options. He says he's not interested. So have the conversation of like, OK, as you know, I've always wanted other kids. And so now we're really getting to a, a crisis point and it may be that we need to part ways um, and I think then also you should ask yourself the question of like, am I prepared emotionally and financially to have a kid by myself? And what might that look like? And um, or or like, I don't want to have one by myself, but I want to try to find somebody else who does want kids. And even if that doesn't succeed, I'd still rather try and fail than just stay with this guy. You know, those are all the tough questions, but ones that you have to ask yourself and you have every right to ask mm-hmm. them. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I'm wondering too, just vis-a-vis my spouse is sterile. I've tried to talk to him about other options, but he's not interested. I feel my fertility slipping further away. I don't know if the phrasing there is kind of, it's it's a little vague. I don't know whether it includes adoption or not, but I mean, certainly. Oh, if it helps, it did. Originally, this letter oh. was a lot longer. And, and yes, okay. the letter writer had mentioned both stuff like IVF and also okay. adoption. Sure. So yeah. I mean, yeah, like your fertility like you can you can adopt at any age. <laughs> like right. it's it's not I, I know you can feel the clock ticking, but that doesn't mean that the biological clock is a dictator here. Like you 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 do have the option to adopt. Um the timeline isn't quite so oppressive. I do wanna I though I do also want to acknowledge that like many adoption agencies are pretty stringent about what kinds of people they will consider. So I I, I don't want to make it I think you're right. Yeah, the, like, the biological clock's not the only part of it, but it is also true that um, lots of uh, agencies are not necessarily um, going to become like more open to you, which you know is has a lot to do with sexism and ageism among other things. But um, I, I get why time is a concern. And, and then I think the only other thing that I would throw out there is like I have nothing to keep me busy but work. I don't want to imply again that like there's something suspect about your desire to have another child or like it's okay to have a child because you're lonely like I don't want to like claim that you need to have perfect motives but I just I I wonder if would you feel differently or would you find other ways to make peace with your life if you had other people or other interests Um, and and because also that would be a lot of pressure to put on another child which is just like you're it kid like when you turn 19 you better not get busy with your own life because like all I've got is you and work. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it doesn't sound like it's a coincidence that this letter is arriving as the son turns 19, you know, and has probably recently moved out or gone off to university and you've got an empty nest. And of co- like, of course, these questions are going to come up like mm-hmm. that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> like this is this. I think this is a normal time to be asking yourself those questions, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, again, not that like you have to be perfectly self-actualized before you're allowed to consider having another kid. But I just, you know... I, because it's not possible to perfectly control for whether or not your husband decides to recommit to your marriage, whether or not you can find another partner who wants children, whether or not you'll be able to get another child, either you know through traditional means or non-traditional means. Um, in the event that that doesn't work out the way that you want, um, how can you build a kind of life that feels meaningful, full of support, full of community, um, full of purpose, not necessarily like full tilt delight every second but but one that has meaning and 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 love and and uh community in it i want that for you whether or not you have any more kids yeah you deserve that yeah okay all right we got two more and they're nice (laughs) and like yeah breezy i think um all right subject my boyfriend secretly observed my best friend of 18 years stealing my weed what should i do Dear Prudence, I am always super generous with my best friend of 18 years. When she comes over to my house, I always offer her anything and everything I have. She's not a guest in that she can help herself to whatever she wants in the fridge or pantry without even asking, though she would generally ask first. But the last time she was over at my house, she asked me if she could have some snacks from my snack closet. Of course, I went and got them for her. But when I left the room to do that, my boyfriend, who happened to be standing in an area where he couldn't be seen, saw her take a portion of the marijuana I had on the table and hide it in her purse. I always send her home with some, happily and willingly. So it seemed extremely weird that she felt she had to steal it. 
Now I'm super uncomfortable with her because I think just think she's a snake and a thief. But this is my friend of 18 years and one of the closest people to me. I don't know what to do. First of all, I want a snack closet. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Is that better than a pantry or is that just another okay. phrase for a pantry? What kind of ideal life are you living that you have a snack closet and, you know, weed on the table at, at all hours? It like, feels like <laughs> a grown-up Claudia Kishi situation from the yeah. Beatles Club. Like, oh, yeah, I, I don't have to it. hide it anymore. I have a snack closet. <laughs> I felt a little bit like I think maybe your friend was actually just like following the house policy, which has been like every time she comes over, you're like, have the weed, have the snacks, have whatever, take my stuff. And so... I'm a little more inclined to think she was just like, oh, hey, can I get a snack? And then like while you were out of the room was like, oh, it's time for me to take the weed I always take home with me. I think she was maybe just being more informal rather than like trying to get you out of the room for the purpose of taking weed where you're not looking at her. Does that seem vaguely reasonable to you? No, I'm, I mean, it seems very reasonable. I, I also I don't know what's up with the boyfriend standing in an area where he couldn't be seen spying on her or just like I. I mean, if she if she knew that you were home and the boyfriend was home and she's always given marijuana when she comes to your house, I I think my assumption here would be less she's a snake and a thief and more she's my best friend of 18 years yeah. and I always give her weed when she comes to my house. Yeah, I like hate to be a little snarky here, but I wonder if like, have you lately been smoking any strains that like enhance one's paranoia? Like, are you maybe just a little paranoid right now? I don't know. Yeah. Like, just if it's bothering you this much, just say like, hey, like Jimmy saw you grab the weed off the table last week. And um, maybe I was like, not super clear. I'm always happy to send you home with some. But just I, I, I want to like be there so I know how much is missing. Um, like, I would just rather like you let me know when you're doing it. Sure, because I mean, and that's valid because weed is not inexpensive. Sure, yeah. And you're allowed to, you know, you're allowed to have an ask first policy. Yeah, you can maybe, be generous and have mm -hmm. a limit. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe the ask first policy just needs to be a little more explicitly stated. Yeah, but my goodness, no, don't end an 18 year friendship because she took a little weed that you've always told her she's welcome to take and your boyfriend stared at her from like behind your secret snack closet, like... Yeah, switch strains. Definitely switch strains. Have a conversation with your friend. Um, do not end a friendship of 18 years over like a couple of buds. That is just very I think your I think your reaction here is a little weird. Like the, even the language of like she took it and she hid it in her purse. It's like, or she just put it in her purse <laughs> because that's where she puts it when she goes home. Mm -hmm. Like either you really mean it when you say don't stand on ceremony or yeah, I don't know. I, I I think your response here is a little weird. All you need to do is say like, hey, just tell me when you're taking it because I need to know. If at that point she's still doing it, certainly by all means say, what the hell? This is really weird that you're stealing something I've told you I'm happy to give you. But that's not the situation at present. Yep, for sure. That's our mini episode of Dear Prudence for this week. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. As always, if you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location. And at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. 